Good day to you all, and thanks for staying connected to our church through the NPFCC Messages podcast. If you're listening to this, I want to honor you for spending your time absorbing God's truth. I know it's not always easy to make time, but you did today, and we're proud of you for that. This week's message is a one-off message from Pastor Ken about the heart of the matter, and I know this one we can all benefit from. So I'm praying this blesses you as you absorb it and apply it in your life. Well, man, it is great to be back with you. I was away last Sunday, and um, I wanted to thank all of you uh, for a couple things. Number one, thank you for, for saying happy birthday to my wife. Um, you know, so, somebody, ha- somebody has to keep me in line, and she drew the short straw. So, um, so uh, I am so doubly blessed by the gift um, of God that she is in my life and in our family. And hey, thank you for taking really good friend of my uh, good care of my friend John Irwin last week. Um, you know, one of the things I love is that um, I get opportunities now and again to go to different places and to speak and to share. And I was at family camp last weekend. But what I love is every time I'm gone and we have a guest that comes to speak, I always get amazing text messages that say, man, you are so blessed. You don't know how great your people are and how great they welcomed me and loved me and everything else. So I just want to say thank you for being such a warm, welcoming, loving church family because um, I, I just know that um, you bless others when they come. So thank you very much for doing that. And by the way, speaking of, of John, um, he told you last weekend about a grandparenting seminar. And um, we, we are grandparenting this weekend. We have three of our our grandson's with us all weekend while mom and dad are uh, actually up uh, helping lead worship at Hume Lake. Um, and um, we, we know that grandparenting is an important task. And for those of you who are grandparents, there's a grandparenting summit that's on October 21st. And you can get one of these little things out at the um, gazebo, the, uh, the encounter gazebo out there and sign up for that. It's really good. Just, we know as grandparents, we just want our grandkids to love Jesus. And it gives you lots of great tools on how we as grandparents can work alongside uh, their parents to help them meet Jesus. So, um, so yeah, so sign up for, for all of that. Um, hey, you know, I don't know if you know this, but what, what was the, the leading cause of death in the United States every single year since 1921. Anybody know what it is? Yeah, it's, it's, it's heart disease. And, and even when COVID was at its very peak, the, the, the leading cause of death in, in America has always been heart disease. Another piece of interesting information that goes alongside of that is this, is that 50%, roughly 50% of the people who end up having some form of heart attack and then followed up by heart surgery, 50% of those people do not follow their doctor's instructions on how to come back from that and build a healthy heart. I mean, what, why, why do you think that is? Are we just that stubborn and set in our ways? Maybe so, right? Um, and then here's another reality. The same thing is true for our spirit spiritual lives, and the the life of our nation. The leading cause of sinful choices, spiritual decay, chaos in your life and in our land, and the leading cause of spiritual death is the same thing. It's it's heart disease. And, And it's not 
It's not a new issue. It's as old as time. If you go back all the way to right after Adam and Eve, you know, got kicked out of the garden for for sinning, uh, right away we have this thing in in Genesis chapter 6, where it says this in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, right before God decides to hit the reset button and send a flood to wipe everything out and start over again, it says, the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. How many of you would say, yeah, I I look out of the world and I, I know that this is true? right? It's it's an issue, again, it's as old as time. The the prophet Jeremiah says this about our hearts. He says, the heart is deceitful, deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Now, he's an Old Testament guy, so I got to, the the cure is coming, right? But from his perspective, he's looking around going like, man, the heart is deceitful above everything else and it's beyond cure. Now, how many of you have ever been deceived by your heart before, right? Yeah, you, you, your, your heart was going one way and you were like, oh yeah, you know, like, and maybe it was just like a relationship thing, like, and you were just like, you were following your heart, right? And like, oh, I'm, or maybe, maybe it was a, a, a business decision, right? And you were following your heart and maybe it was something else and you're following your heart and, and you ended up in trouble because our hearts, our hearts are deceptive. And like Jeremiah said, above everything else. The world tells us to follow our hearts, but where would you end up if you followed your heart every time? I mean, think about that, right? Think about all the, all the disasters that you would get yourself into if all you did was just every moment followed your heart. I mean, Selena Gomez, she tells us the heart, what, heart, the heart wants what the heart wants, right? And it's not working out good for her. Last time I checked the tabloids, right? But have you ever done... Have you ever done something um, or said something that you never even imagined that you would say or do, and then all of a sudden you find yourself you find yourself standing there asking yourself like, where did that come from? You ever done that? Have you ever have you ever had something just slip out of your mouth and then you stop because you know that you wish you could just pull that back, but you said it and then you're like wow, where, where did that come from? Have you ever done something or, or acted in a way with, with maybe your, your spouse, your children, a friend, a coworker, um, and, and then all of a sudden you're like, I can't believe I did. Like, where did that come from? Am I the only one or does everybody else that happen on, on a regular? Okay, just, I was just wondering, you know, because misery likes company, so just, yeah. Or parents. Parents, has your child ever said or done something that you thought, where did that come from? Right? All the time. Right? Now, truth be told, they might be cute, but they're just little heathens. (laughs) Now, if they're under five, if they're under five, here's the bad news. You know why they did that? Because they probably heard you say that or saw you do that. Now, if they're between 6 and 16, a little different story, there's a good chance because they saw a friend or heard a friend say that. But what about when you're like in your mid-20s, in your 30s or 40s? What if you're 59? And where does that stuff come from, right? 
Well, this morning, we, I want to talk for just a little bit about where does that stuff come from and how we can adjust our lives so that that stuff doesn't just like fly out and then we live with all this regret because of things that we've said and done that aren't in line with what God's best is for our lives. You know, as parents, we spend a lot of time monitoring our children's behavior, don't we? Um, and, and there's a lot of that that's really good because, yes, we, we want children to behave, but, but we're always concerned about what they're doing. Um, we're always really, um, to be quite honest, it, it's really because most of our discipline is designed around modifying their behavior because that's what we want, right? I mean, we want well-behaved kids. Can I get an amen from all the parents in the room? Right? We want well-behaved kids. We want kids who don't hurt themselves and don't hurt others. We want kids who listen and obey. Can I get an amen? Kids who don't want cause their parents worry or anxiety. And for heaven's sakes, kids that don't embarrass us, right? Do your kids ever, ever stress you out? I mean, do they ever worry you? I, you're, you're laughing because it hits so close to home, right? Your kids give you anxiety. Yeah. Well, it's, you're, in good, you're in really good company. Because even Jesus, even Jesus gave his parents fits. There's an amazing story in Luke chapter 2. starts in verse 41. Um, I, I'll just kind of tell the story. You can go read it deeper uh, later on today. But it, it tells us that every year, Jesus, because his, their family were, were good Jewish people, they followed the law every year, they would go. The, all the men had to go to Jerusalem every year for the Passover. And so as a family, they all traveled to Jerusalem for the Passover. And Jesus is 12 years old. We don't know anything about Jesus' life other than this one little passage from the time Jesus was born until he was 12. And then after 12, we don't know anything from the time he's 12 until he was 30 when he started his ministry. Well, we have this one snapshot of Jesus when he's 12. And his family, they go on this trip and they go, they go from their, their home, um, you know, where they were living in Nazareth, and they, they head to Jerusalem. And, you know, it's, it's probably about a 70-mile journey. And, and so they go, they're, they're walking or riding animals or whatever, and they get to Jerusalem, and they celebrate the Passover, and they're all getting ready to head home. And when it's time to head home, they, um, they usually traveled in caravans for safety reasons back in that day, and they're heading home, and all of a sudden, Joseph and Mary, they're looking around, and they're like, hey, where's Jesus? And I could just imagine that conversation, right? Because we've had that conversation before where it was like, oh, I, I thought they were with you right? And then Brenda's like, well, no, I told you to get them. And then they're like, well, where, where are they? Right? And like, where are the kids? And the, the same thing was happening with Jesus. Joseph and Mary are like, uh, well, where is he? Well, maybe he's, maybe he's hanging out with his cousins. So let's go check around. They're looking everywhere, looking everywhere for Jesus and they can't find him. Now I'm thinking to myself, like, if you're Joseph and Mary, this is, this is pretty heavy duty anxiety. Because what do you do if you just lost God? <laughs> like, how do you explain that in your prayers at night? Dear God, well, we're, we're really sorry about that Messiah you gave us. Um, maybe you could send us another one. I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's like, what, what, like, what do you do with, what do you do with all of that? But, but. Yeah, so, they, so they're like, where is he? They, they end up going back to Jerusalem and they're searching for him. And they're looking all over the place. And to their amazement, Jesus is in the temple. 
and he's holding court with all of the religious leaders. Like this 12-year-old boy, right, who in the Jewish law is now kind of leaning on manhood. He's sitting there with all the teachers of law, and he's asking them riveting questions, and he's just like talking with these guys, and he's baffling them with his intelligence, right? Well, because he's the son of God. And, and so, but Mary and Joseph, they come out and they look at him and it's pretty amazing because Mary's first words, when they finally find him, they say, son, why have you treated us like this? Like, and she's like, what are you doing? Right? And then she says, your father and I, we have been anxiously searching for you. I mean, that's like, you know, that, that, that doesn't even tell the whole story, right? They're just panicked. And, it, and then Jesus just calmly is like, well, why, why were you looking for me? Right? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? And, and you're like, what, what, what must have been going through their heads at that moment, right? But, but even Jesus like, has done things before where, where, that causes parents worry. So your kids are always going to make you worry. They're always going to give you some sense of anxiety and things like that. But today as we kind of take a look at this, we want to move past the idea of behavior modification, Right, because we always spend our time like working on behavior modification. How do we get them to behave better? How do we get them not to make us worry? How do we get all these things to fall in line so that they can be good people? Well, um, the book of Proverbs is a book that tells us a lot of things, even a lot of stuff about parenting and things like that, but it's a book that's packed with wisdom. And it's not only good for parenting, but it's, I mean, there's so many other things. It, It teaches us all about work, about money, about marriage, about parenting. Mostly it talks, us about, talks to us about wisdom and how we can obtain wisdom. Now, how many of you, um, it, when you think of any of those areas of your life, work, marriage, parenting, all of those things, um, finances, how many of you would like to get the best advice available from the smartest person in the whole wide world? right? How many of you would like that, right? Do you know that this person is absolutely the smartest person that's ever lived? How many of you would take advice from them, right? Well, you have it. It's a book of Proverbs, right? Written by King Solomon, who is the smartest man who's ever lived. The Bible says he was the smartest person that's ever lived. Um, He asked God for wisdom and God gave it to him in droves. Now, he turned his back on it a little later in life. Um, That's a whole different sermon for a whole different day. But In the book of Proverbs, we have all this wisdom and all of these things about how we are supposed to live our lives. In fact, I was telling someone the story the other day when when, um, I was a kid, um, I was known to get in a little bit of mischief here and then. And my my dad, um, before I was allowed to get my driver's license, uh, me and my brothers and my sister, before we could get our driver's license, we had to read the book of Proverbs and give my dad at least a paragraph report on every chapter of the book of Proverbs. And um, I know I just gave a bunch of you parents ideas, right? Don't tell them Pastor Ken told him because then they'll hate me. I don't, don't need that. So, but, um, and so we would do, I'd do my report and everything. And my dad would sit down with me and he'd say, look, son, like when, when, when you're going to drive, you're, you're in a car and that, that car weighs a lot. And you, that's a lot of responsibility. I mean, people's lives are in your hand. You need wisdom, 
right? And so he's like, what's the best source of wisdom? So my dad said, you're going to read Proverbs. You're going to give me a report on this so that hopefully you glean something out of that. And, and I think that was a really, really wise thing for my dad to do. But Solomon gives us all this wisdom, and then he gives us this wisdom for heart health as well. And, and, and it's the most important thing, according to him, even, that he says. And so out of all the other advice that Solomon gives, he tells us there's one thing, like one thing that stands above everything else. And it's found in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 22, or 23. If you have your notes, it's one of the little ones that has blanks in it, and you're going to want to fill these in. And it says this, above all else. I'm going to repeat that. In fact, you guys say that with me, those three little words. Above all else. Now, that sounds pretty straightforward, right? That means above everything else. Above, above whatever else I'm telling you right now, there's one thing that is above all of it, right? Above all else. He says, guard your heart. When you think about it, if, if that was a blank, it was like above all else blank, what might you put in the thing? Above all else, right? Um, Make sure you feed the kids in the morning. You know, above all else, right? Be kind to your spouse. Above all else, I mean, you could fill it in with a whole lot of stuff, right? And on any given day, you might put something else in there. But, but God, through King Solomon, gives us what he says is the most important advice. He says, above all else, guard your heart. Why? Why is that so important? He says, for everything, Everything. Everybody say everything. everything. I mean, I don't know how much plainer you could say that. Everything you do flows from it. Everything that happens in your life. Before you did that dumb thing, it started up in your heart. Before you did that really good thing, it started as an inclination of your heart. And so what this tells us is the, the condition of our heart is, one of the, is the most important thing that we could think about. I mean, every behavior, every decision, every word that flows out of us starts somewhere in the depths of our heart. Everything we do outwardly originates inwardly. Now, if this is true, and it's in the Bible, and the smartest guy in the world said it, so I'm believing that this is true then maybe we need to pay a lot more attention to what is on the inside of us than just what our behavioral issues are. Most of our fix-it remedies are about behavior modification, and that's why they don't work long-term. It's because we're focused on the wrong thing. Because how many of you have had a behavior, you thought you had it like corrected, and then oops, it popped up again? Anybody? Anybody in the room? Yeah. You know why? You know why that happens? Okay, and it's not because you're a bad person, and it's not because learning, you know, new ways of doing things or learning lots of methods to, to like make sure you behave as a, as a good human being are bad. But the reason that it pops up again is because ultimately at the end of the day, it's not just a behavior issue. It's a heart thing. And the reality is, is that all of us, every single one of us, all of you wonderful 
good-looking people this morning. All of us have at the core a corrupt heart. And that's why it keeps happening. That's why in Deuteronomy chapter uh, 6, verse 4, and this is, this is a passage that every single Hebrew home stated this um, twice a day. Uh, in the morning when they woke up and before they went to bed at night, they quoted these two verses, these, these few verses, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 to 6, and it, it became known as the Shema. And it says this, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You may have heard this before. He says, love the Lord your God with all your what? Yes, and with all your soul and with all your strength. There's a reason heart is first. And then he comes back and he says, these commands that I give you today are to be upon your? You know, we, we are to love the Lord with all of our heart, with all of our soul, our, all of our strength, and his commands are supposed to be on our hearts. Why doesn't it say, these commandments I give to you today are to be upon your minds? I mean, you would think, oh, you just need to know them. Well, let me contend this. They have to be in your mind before they can get to your heart, but a lot of us, a lot of us have had trouble getting them from our head to our hearts. In our culture today, information is king. I mean, we, have, we are all living on information overload. And I just encourage you, I mean, take a Sabbath from your info right? However you get it. Because it's just too much for any of us to handle. So, I mean, so God didn't say just think about it. He says you, you, you have to make sure that it moves from your mind to your heart. The problem is, I know a lot of Christians today, they have a lot of knowledge. They have a lot of information, even when it comes to faith, even when it comes to things of the Bible, but, but it hasn't made the 18-inch journey from here to here, right? They know it all, but it hasn't penetrated their hearts. God's word hasn't made it from their head to their heart yet. Now, Jesus reiterates the importance of this whole thing about a 1,000 years after Solomon. Just about a 1,000 years later, King Solomon he kind of takes what Solomon said about guarding your heart and he kind of blows it up a notch because that's what Jesus does. He takes all the Old Testament stuff and then he just kind of jacks it up a little bit and says, hey, you know, you heard it said this. Well, I'm, I'm going to tell you like it's even more than that, right? And so in Matthew chapter 15, um, when Jesus is teaching, he, he kind of addresses this heart issue. Now, it happened as a result of a conversation he was happening, having with a bunch of religious leaders. Uh, the religious leaders of Jesus' day, um, they didn't like Jesus much. Uh, they didn't like Jesus because he was gaining more popularity than they were, and he was teaching in a way that was um, a, a little bit contrary to what they'd always thought because they had always been told, like, you have to earn God's approval. You keep all the commands, you do all these rules, you keep the rules, if you keep the rules, you'll keep God happy. That's what they were taught, right? You keep the rules, you'll keep God happy. And Jesus comes along and he says, hey, 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 um, all of that cerebral learning all the rules and everything else and then check marks and making sure you're keeping all the rules. Like Jesus says, yeah, 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 yeah. No, um, that, he goes, to be quite honest, and you could just almost feel Jesus sometimes chuckling inside. He goes, so that, he goes, that was God's way of showing you you couldn't do it. 
right? He gave you all these laws just to show you, like, no, like no matter what he did, like, you couldn't do it on your own. And he said, and, and God was setting up through the whole Old Testament, uh, and Jesus could have just said, um, my arrival, right? So that when I came, you were ready to listen. And so um, Jesus comes on the scene and he starts teaching things. I mean, we don't realize in, in our context um, what it meant when Jesus says, you have heard it said, right? Like, don't commit murder, but I tell you. I mean, those little words, but I tell you, the, talk about fighting words. That was like, that was literally like slapping all of those religious leaders in the face. That was literally, I mean, if there was ever any doubt that Jesus claimed to be God, because basically Jesus said, what God told you? He goes, well, now I'm going to tell you this, right? And who's allowed to do that? Only God himself. And so, Jesus comes on the scene, these religious leaders, they, not, they, they don't like Jesus much, and they're always trying to trick Jesus, which is really fun to watch, right? Because these guys are always trying to ask Jesus trick questions, and then Jesus just has these moments where Jesus just like turns to him, says something, and it's just like mic drop moment, right? He's just like, oh, there you go, like, you know. And, and it, it almost gets to the point of, of being hilarious because these guys are falling over themselves trying to trick Jesus, and they just can't do it. And so this is what's happening in Matthew chapter 15, just to kind of set that up a little bit. And then it says, when, then some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem, right? He's up in Galilee. They travel all the way up, like 70, 80 miles. They travel up to Galilee to find Jesus so they can trick him. And, and, and this is what they say. They said to Jesus, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. And you're thinking, that's all you got? Like, your disciples have really bad hygiene? I mean, what? it's like they come all the way from Jerusalem. They're like, uh, yeah, your boys, they don't wash their hands. You're like, Jesus is like, uh, okay, right? Now, the key to that part there is that he says they break the tradition of the elders, right? In other words, what they're saying is your guys don't behave the way we want them to. There were a lot of cleanliness laws in the Old Testament, things especially that the priests and different people had to do before they would go give sacrifices and all kinds of other stuff. But there was never anything for your average person except on certain situations, right? Like if you were, if you touched something that was dead, if you touched blood, all the, there's different rules and then you had to go through ceremonial washings. But just for, even for your average meal, there wasn't really anything like that. And so these guys though had made, like these religious leaders had made laws on top of the laws to make sure that you didn't break any of the laws or even got near breaking any of them. And they kind of jacked it up to make it impossible for, for anybody else. So then Jesus replies to them, right? Because they're like, your guys don't wash their hands. And Jesus is like, oh man. And you could almost just see Jesus go, this is going to be fun, right? And then he looks at them. Now this, this might be, I'm going to read this through and it might be a little confusing the first time through, we'll unpack it. He says this, Jesus replied, and why do you, right? Because your guys break the tradition of the elders. And Jesus points at them and he says, now why do you break the commands of God for the sake of your traditions? For God said, honor your father and mother. I mean, Jesus goes for the easy one, right? Honor your mother and mother, not like don't murder or anything. Jesus says, look, God said, honor your father and mother. 
And anyone who curses their father and mother is to be put to death. But you say, if anyone declares what might have been used to help their father or mother is devoted to God, they are not to honor their father and mother with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your traditions. Right? And if you're confused about what that means, so are the apostles. Right? The apostles were like, they go up later and Peter's like, Jesus, like, what was that all about? Right? Because Jesus just says that and then the, the religious leaders, trust me, they know exactly what he's saying. So Jesus just makes that statement, mic drop, walks away. What's really funny is that um, later on, the, um, the apostles come up and they're like, uh, hey, Jesus, did you know you offended those guys? And Jesus, I, he probably just went, <laughs> and, and walked away. So, so what happened, he, I'll, I'll kind of try to explain this a little bit. So basically what happened was, is all of the, there's all these laws, like honor your mother and father. And the word actually in there where it says honor your mother, it really can, be mean, can mean take care of right? It doesn't just mean like honor, like, oh, mom and dad, you're so great, right? It means like honor them, like take care of them, like understand who they are and respect that and care for them. And, um, and so, but what they did is they came up with these, all these bizarre convenient laws that actually could somehow come around and help them break one of God's laws. They, they stacked up all these laws. Like on the Sabbath day, there's hundreds and hundreds of laws about how you practice the Sabbath. On honoring your mother and father, there's all these laws about how you're supposed to do that and what you can do and what you can't do. And they had this crazy law that says, hey, if you have, like basically, if you have all your stuff, right? Just think all your stuff. All, today it would be like, you know, all of your resources, you know, your home, your cars, your everything you've got, plus your 401k and everything. And, and then let's say your parents are in need, right? Well, they said that if, if you took everything that you have and you could verbally just say, I'm devoting all that to God and to the temple, which basically meant like when I die, all of it goes to the temple. Then if something happened, you didn't have to give on that, throughout your life. In fact, you could just use whatever you had and then whatever's left over goes to God later, which is a big problem because it's a total diversion from how God wanted them to practice stewardship anyways. But the issue was, is that your parents, like say your parents are in trouble, right? They did not have social security. They did not have 401ks. They did not have all that stuff. And so once their parents got elderly, it was like, it was up to the family to care for them. And so if your family was in need, if your parents were in need, you could say, sorry, mom and dad, we devoted all of our stuff to the temple. We can't really help you. And it was a way of actually just being selfish. And they made a rule, a loophole, so they could just hold on greedily to all their stuff. And so what Jesus is saying is this. He says, Look, you guys are coming to me and you're saying, my guys don't wash their hands and they're breaking some of your rules. And he goes, let me tell you how absolutely ridiculous your rules are. Your rules are so ridiculous that you have created a way for you to not honor your parents, which is a command of God so that you can feed your own selfish hearts. That's what Jesus was saying. Mic drop, <laughs> right? It's like, and then he walks away. <laughs> and, um, but then 
Jesus, you know, I could almost feel like Jesus, and he's like, it's almost like he turns around and he says this in Matthew chapter 15, verse 7 to 9. He says, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their, yeah, here it is again. Their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules, right? Stuff you made up. Right? Doesn't it stink when you play a game with someone and they're making up the rules as they go? Yeah. Just think Pharisee. Next time you're playing a game, just go, Pharisee, you know, right? When they're making up rules. So. so here's the thing, though. And this is where it hits all of us. This is where it hits all of us, like right here. Right? It hits us all right here. It is possible to go through the motions. It is possible to come to church every Sunday and to stand up, to sing, your, sing the songs, even raise your hands. Um, it is possible to read your Bible and read all the words and put some of it in your head. It is possible to do all of that stuff, but still have a heart that is far from God. And that's what Jesus is telling these guys. It's like, you honor me with your lips, but your heart, your heart's still far from me. And, and Jesus goes on and he tells the disciples this. This is the disciples, they walk away and the disciples are like, Jesus, you got to explain all this to us because that was a little confusing. Um, and um, remember Jesus' guys, they were not rabbi, they, they were not like rabbi material. These guys were like, you know, Hebrew school dropouts. And so they're like, Jesus, could you explain that to us? And Jesus looks at them and here's what he says in Matthew 15, 19 to 20. He says, for out of the heart, everybody say heart, right? Not the mind, but out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, being commandment, adultery, being commandment, sexual immorality, there's commands about that, theft, false testimony, and slander. These are all commandments. Jesus says, like, because of the hardness of our hearts, all of this sin, all the breaking of the commandments. Now, I'm not even talking about the tradition of the elders, like the commandments. All of, why do we break the commands? Why do we sin? Jesus said, out of the heart is where this stuff comes. Did you notice that all those things are commandments? And then they originate from the heart. This being the case, we should do well to guard our hearts. And parents, listen, and the hearts of your children. If all we worry about is behavior, and again, I'm, I'm, it's, yeah, we have to correct. We have to discipline. And we say it all the time around here. Parents are the primary disciplers of their children, right? But if all we ever worry about is their behavior and how we're going to modify it, then we are failing to get at the root of the problem, which is the heart. See, if the heart is right, the behavior will follow. So we have to spend lots of time making sure our hearts are good and our children's hearts are good. So how do we guard our hearts? I'm going to give you, um, I'm going to give you four things really quick. Um, number one is this. First, Give your heart to Jesus. Um, I would just say, you don't know how to handle it. And I don't either, right? Left to my, if I just follow my heart and just everything I want, right? If I, if I was to just follow my heart everywhere, um, I'd be in big trouble, 
right? I mean, you think my garage is full of needless stuff now? Right? If I just follow my heart every time I went to Home Depot, right? I mean, and that sounds pretty funny, but come on, if I followed my heart, right? If you followed your heart in relationships, man, what if you just said everything that came to your mind? You think 50% divorce rate's bad? What if we just said everything all the time that whenever it came to our mind, we just followed our heart, just whatever, blah, just throw it out there, right? Yeah, it doesn't work. We don't have the capacity to do this on our own. And so I would, I would contend this. You, you need to give your heart to the one who created it, and you need to give your heart to the one who can change it. Because you might be able to change some of your behavior, but only God can change your heart. I love the verse in Ezekiel chapter 36, 26. It says, I, this is God speaking. He says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. Man, how many, for how many of you does that just sound like, yes, like that's what I need. I need a new heart. I need a new spirit. And then he goes on, he says, I will remove your heart of stone. I don't know about any of you, have you ever felt like, man, my heart's just heavy. My heart's just, it's just rock. It's just like, it's just so calcified. It's just so like, man, and Jesus says, look, I'm going to take away your heart of stone. I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. Another one, one that's pliable, one that he can change, one that he can create. And so he wants to give you a new heart. And the only way to do this is acknowledge, like acknowledge that to Jesus. Say, Jesus, I know I can't do this on my own. Jesus, I know I've tried, but I, I mess up. And Jesus, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against others. And God, I, I want you to help create in me a heart and trust him. Trust him with your heart. And the Bible tells us, man, if, you, if we will do that, that Jesus will take us and give us a new heart. So give Jesus your heart. The second thing is this. Guard what gets in. Guard what gets in your heart. Guard everything that comes in. Now, it comes in in lots of ways. It comes in mostly through our senses, right? What we see, what we hear right? What we taste, what we smell, all those things, what we touch. Like, so be very careful what gets in. You know, I, I heard, I had one guy, I had one guy all the time. He goes, like, he was telling me about like his dating life and stuff. And he was like, man, like every time, like getting a dating relationship, it all gets weird. I just, I just keep thinking like, I, I just keep dating the wrong people all the time. And so I just, I said, well, what, what do you listen to? Right? And he's telling me all the music that he listens to. And I was like, do you hear? Like, I mean, in every single one of those songs, the relationships are a train wreck. <laughs> and it wasn't even country. <laughs> right? So it was like, do you live? I'm like, so I'm like, if every song you hear He's calling her uh, words that I can't say in church, right? Or anywhere else for that matter. And when he's saying this about her and this about the relationship, I'm like, well, duh. You're setting yourself up for failure from the get-go. Stop it. Like, watch what goes in. Folks, some of you drastically need, some of you just need to flat out quit your Netflix subscription. 
Because there's a lot of trash on there. Right? I mean, Brennan and I were watching a show the other day, and we thought, I mean, it's funny. People recommend these shows to us. So I, now no one will recommend us a show, hon. So, um, but it's like people recommend, and then we'll turn it on. We're like, whoa, okay, yeah. Like, um, like we start praying for all of you. No, I'm just, um, we're like, <laughs> like, oh, Lord. Um, you know, I mean, I can't tell you how many we like on our thing says continue to watch all the time. And I was like, all of them, because it's like we watch like 15 minutes of like every kind of series that we're like, yep, can't do that one. Oh, yeah, can't do that. It's like, just get rid of it, right? Just because what we put in our minds, I mean, why, why, does, our, why does the world have such a pornography problem, right? Why is it that we have, that sex trafficking is through the roof? Look at what we put in our minds and in our hearts every single time we flip that switch on. We fill our lives with that junk, so why would we possibly expect that we could put it in and it's not going to come out? Jesus says, from out of the heart come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, all those things. Be careful. Be careful what you put in. Be careful what goes into your children's hearts. The third thing is this, fill your heart with God's word. Psalms 119, 11, probably my, I I think one of my go-to verses in the Bible just simply tells us, he says, I have hidden your word, this is David speaking, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Where did he hide God's word, by the way? His heart. Not his mind. Why didn't David say, hey, I put it in my mind. No, he says, no, it traveled from here to here and it's in my heart. So I don't just think about it, I feel, I feel what God wants from me and that is helping me not sin. If you want a prescription for the sins that you keep repeating, it's God's word. Memorize God's word. Put it in not just your mind, but get it in your heart and in your soul and it will help you make the decisions that you need to. And the fourth thing is this, um, prayer. Um, I was listening to a podcast this week, and it was really interesting because the person was talking about like um, uh, just ways to combat anxiety and stuff. And it was really interesting. As the guy was talking on and on, all of it sounded a lot like he was just telling everybody, you should just pray. He was like, you should find this quiet place where you can kind of be alone and then you should spend some time meditating on what's important to you and then you should speak um, uh, about what is most important to you and recall that stuff. And I was like, you're, other than the God part, like you're talking about like prayer, right? And, and all of these new ways, like years ago, they would just medicate you, right? If you had anxiety issues and medication works when, it, when it's properly used. But, but now today, the first thing they say, okay, we're going to give you some calming stuff. We're gonna... Folks, prayer is amazing at this. And you have a God who wants to hear from you. And so if you just take time and pray, that's why Jesus says in Philippians 4, 6 to 7, again, a verse that's familiar to a lot of us. We got it in here, but we got to get it to here. It says, do not be anxious about anything. So God is basically goes, I got a cure for your anxiety. He says, in everything, by pr- in every situation, right? By the way, he said every, not, not, not just some of them, but every situation. He says, by prayer, and petition, which is a form of prayer, with thanksgiving, which is part of prayer, present your request, which is part of prayer, to God, 
And then he says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will do what? Say it, people. Guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. If you want to guard your heart, spend time thankfully giving your request to God. Present those things before him. Spend time in prayer. He will guard your heart. If prayer is not a part of your regular daily routine, I guarantee you, you will be stressed and filled with anxiety. Right? You need to spend time with God. If you follow an unguarded heart, you will follow it right into financial problems, right into relational difficulty, right into unemployment, right into maybe incarceration. I don't know. But what if, but what if we spent the time, what if we spent the kind of time we spend or the effort that we spend on working on our behavior? What if we spent that time working on our hearts? What if, you, what if you spent as much time working on your heart as you did going to the gym or going on whatever other health thing you do? What if you spent at least that same amount of time working on the condition of your heart? And I'm not talking cardio. But the condition of your heart, the spiritual condition of your heart. What, what would happen in your life if that was the case? What if instead of only worrying about your kids' behavior so that they're good kids, don't make anybody worry, do all the right things and get in the right schools and get the right jobs and blah, 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 blah. What if instead of that, we made it the number one concern of ours to make sure that our children had hearts that were on fire for God? What if the condition of their hearts was more important to us than their grades, than where they went to school, their career path, and everything else? What if the condition of their hearts was primary to us? And what if that was the same for you? So how do we guard the condition of our hearts? Well, we've just talked about some of those, but I want you to, I want to contend this, that next time your kid does something crazy, does something wrong, causes you anxiety, freaks you out, whatever else, Instead of just going, instead of asking these questions, what were you thinking? Here's the reality. They weren't. Okay? So, like, so just don't ask the question anyways. Like, or what are you doing? Right? Don't, what if instead, what if instead, or, or what if when you were messing up and you thought, what am I doing? Or what was I thinking? Right? Instead of those questions. What if you asked some heart questions and you did a little heart check? What if you asked a question like this of your child next time they get in trouble? Is everything okay in your heart? That question right there is, is like gold. In fact, I, I would encourage every single one of you today to spend a little bit of time answering that question. And not the pat like, oh, it's fine. I'm fine. If that is your answer, I can tell you you're not. Right? Is everything okay in your heart? Here's another one. 
Has anyone hurt your feelings? Oof. I thought about just having y'all yell their name out right now. But that would just cause more problem because they might be sitting next to you. But think about, like, has anyone hurt your feelings? This is a great question. When, when your kid's angry, when your kids are frustrated, when your kids, when all, like, don't just say, like, what's your problem, what's your thinking, what's your, is everything okay in your heart? Has anyone hurt you? Has anyone hurt your feelings? And listen to them. We live in a world, man, that is after their hearts. So listen and help them navigate some of that. Another one is this. Are you mad at anyone? And if you're a parent, be prepared. It might be you. Are you mad at anyone? So I've been trying this this week. You know who I'm maddest at the most? Everyone in front of me on the freeway. (laughs) Brendan knows this is true. And I've started to ask myself this question this week. Like, why? Like, why am I so, why am I so mad at them? They're not, you know, they might be horrible drivers. But, like, I don't know them. I don't know what their issue is. I don't know what's going on with them. Why am I so mad at them? And I, I have to come back and go, oh man, if I do this right, then I have to come back and go, oh man, Ken, like there's something in your heart that's bubbling up here, right? Is it, are you mad at anybody? If you are, let Jesus work that through with you. Another question, are you worried about anything? Boy. I I would probably imagine almost every single one of us finds something and hear the voice of Jesus just tell you, hey, cast all of your cares on me because he cares for you. Man, because if we just let it fester in our hearts, man, we're going to kick the dog and yell at the kids and do all kinds of crazy things, right? But if our hearts are right, it will curb the different behaviors in our lives that we know we don't want. And here's the last one that is so huge. It says, have you done anything that would hurt God's heart? So let me ask you something this morning as we kind of close and wrap things up. How's your heart today? Well, some of you might have come in and you had a joy-filled heart. And praise the Lord. Some of you came in, you might have had a broken heart. Some of you, your hearts are confused and some of them are depressed and some of them are anxious and some of them are full of knots and some of them are disappointed hearts and some of them are frustrated hearts. We all have conditions every single day that are in our hearts and I want to encourage you to be able to put a name to it and say, God, here is my anxious, crazy, knotted up, beat up heart father please please take my heart and renew it because only he can only he can so would you give him your heart this morning Jesus said don't let your heart be troubled trust in God trust also in me 
So I want to encourage you this week. Take those questions. If you didn't get the little sheet, there's some more as you leave. You can grab them. Um, We'll make sure to post these online as well. Um, But I encourage you this week, maybe today, maybe today, just get quiet and have some time to just answer those questions. For accountability purposes, spouses, if you're here with your spouse, like, like ask each other. Like instead of snapping back, maybe just say, and you can blame it on Pastor Ken now, right? Just like next time they snap, you get snapped at, just go, hey, how's your heart, right? They're not going to want to hear it, but, but, right? You can say, Pastor Ken told me to say that. Um, yeah, so like, how's your heart? How's your heart? When your kids are misbehaving and it's all going crazy, stop. How is your heart? Because folks, if we can get our heart right, then all the stuff that matters for eternity will fall into place. Amen. Would you give your heart to Jesus this morning? Some of you are here and maybe you've never really done that. You've never said, Jesus, I want to give you my heart. And we want to give you the opportunity to do that every time we gather. And if you're here and you want to do that, I would love for you to come and talk to me after the service. But for those of you who have the greatest demonstration that God has already given you his is this communion that we take together every week. It reminds us the lengths to which our Father in heaven would go to show you how much he loves you and that you always have a place in his heart. And so this little piece of bread, it represents Jesus' broken body that he gave on our behalf. And so let's take that together and remember how much Jesus loves us. And the cup, it represents the fact that Jesus' blood washes away our sins. And with that, when he can wash away our sins, he can give us a new heart. And so let's, uh, let's take the cup together, remembering that Jesus has forgiven us and we're free and we have a cleansed heart. You know, I was thinking about this and praying about the message this week, and I just want to let you know how much I just love our church family And my prayer for every single one of you is that as you kind of go through this this week, that you will just sense God building in you a fresh, a new heart created by Jesus because he loves you. So let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for this amazing day. Thank you, Father, for the gift of life that you give us in Jesus. Thank you, Father, for your son. And we thank you, Father, that you that you can change our hearts. Would you change our hearts this morning, Father? We love you and praise you in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the NPFCC Messages podcast. If you'd like to support the work of our church, head to npfcc.org give to make a one-time or reoccurring gift. For more information about us, you can always check out our website at npfcc.org. Again, that's npfcc.org.